Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. It's Friday, February 17th. Today's podcast focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm Shana Walsh. And I'm Isabel Danzis. And here are this week's feature stories. Every Monday, we bring you the FUV Sports Spotlight, where we feature stories from WFUV Sports. This week, WFUV's Julia Moss and Taylor Masetta talked to NBA and WNBA commentator Ryan Rucco about how to better celebrate women's sports. Being someone who talks about sports a lot, having a friend like Taylor who's on the track team has changed my perspective on a lot of things. And you're obviously very close friends with Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. I was wondering what that friendship has done to impact your broadcasting and your overall view on women's sports. Well, that's a really good question. I think it's done a lot. Megan and Sue are two of the smartest people I have ever met in my life. Been a lot of things that I have witnessed with Megan and talked about Megan and with Sue, where I'm like, huh, I mean, I didn't know that. I, I never thought of things that way. You know, you know, one of the things that Sue talks about a lot, there was this idea about like, oh, you know, follow the WNBA or, you know, watch women's college basketball because like, hey, like support women. And like, you know, it is good to support women, but let's not paint it like it's charity. Like watch it because the product's awesome. You know, like that's why like like watch it because you're going to be thoroughly entertained watch it because it's just fantastic and once you do give it a chance you are going to be like oh wait this is great why have i not been watching this um and you know sue was the one who kind of helped like to articulate that idea of like okay we're not a charity like let's not paint it as like we need your support like but it's like no this is awesome like put it some places where people will see it like let's encourage people to see it and once they see it you know, good things will happen. Yeah. So just to kind of like jump off of that, what do you think is the key to expanding coverage of women's sports? Or like, what do you want to see like change in the industry? So this coverage like gets higher? I think that the more resources are put into the look and feel of a show being big, the more the audience believes it is. On the women's college side, um, Pat Lowry, who's been our leader at that project for a really long time, she uh, does an unbelievable job of making sure, you know, throughout the entire regular season, we have an amazing studio presence, which again, makes it feel big. Fighting for and getting college game days now on the women's side of things, which we just had last week with UConn, Tennessee. But like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, okay, all right, yeah. Like this is, you know, very, uh, very big. And I think that kind of thing helps, you know, the storytelling is always key because it just adds a layer of investment. And, uh, and I think we have the best storyteller uh, in sports television in Holly Rowe. So when she tells those stories, I think it helps people connect. I tuned into the UConn Tennessee game last week. So I was so excited when I heard like college game day was going to be there. Yeah. I like am very invested in that UConn Tennessee rivalry. And it's like, it's just it's not something I want to miss out on, you know? I, I totally agree. And I think like, Putting it on that sort of platform, reaffirming to or, or just enlightening the audience to say, like, this is a big deal. Check this out. Like, we are pouring resources into this because we believe this is a big deal. And another another side thing, Taylor is from Connecticut and I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. So that game was not fun for me because UConn. Um, it was <laughs> great for me. I was I was yeah. living. It was awesome. Oh, it, is what it, is. Awesome. it is what it is. That was WFUV's Julia Moss and Taylor Massetta talking to Ryan Rucco on All In 
about the importance of supporting women's sports. All In is a weekly podcast on WFUV Sports that exclusively covers all things in women's sports. It's official. The King of Pizza has been crowned in Queens. The Queen's Chamber of Commerce spent the past two weeks tallying the votes in the inaugural Queen's Best Pizza competition. Now we finally know which slice reigns supreme, but as WFUV's Megan Oftermout reports, the competition celebrated something deeper than just the dishes. Let Philly have its cheesesteaks and leave Maine its lobster. If you're from New York, New York pizza is the best. That's Tom Greck, the president and CEO of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce. The chamber, which has been around since 1911, helps local businesses by advocating for them, providing them with educational opportunities, and offering them resources to expand their businesses. But our bread and butter really is the mom and pops. We have thousands of members with one, two, five, 15 employees in all different areas of, of commerce. Many of those local businesses fall into the food and beverage category. We have 6,000 restaurants in Queens County, which is a huge number. There's 27,000 in the five boroughs. And just like the rest of New York City, Queens' 6,000 restaurants were hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. But they did what they could to support the community. You know, lots of these places went way above and beyond the call of duty. And a lot of the local restaurants that stepped up to the plate gave out New York's signature dish, pizza. Whether they donated pizzas to healthcare facilities like hospitals or offered discounted rates to people that were nurses or, or doctors or firemen. So Greg and his team at the chamber sat down to try and figure out how to thank these local businesses for giving back when they were struggling themselves. Where better and how better to accentuate the positive with a pizza contest where folks can nominate their own pizzerias in their neighborhood, in their districts. But pizza is no joke in Queens. The competition is endless. You know, the local hierarchy rules. But in Howard Beach area, it's New Park Pizza. In places like Maspeth, it's Rose's Pizza. And there's ones in Jamaica and there's ones in Astoria. I could keep listing them. And during our interview, Greg did. They ended up with over 100 nominations for the best pizza in Queens County. And after all the nominations were in and the votes were counted, the chamber was finally able to crown the king of pizza in Queens this month on National Pizza Pie Day. And just like that, Rocco's of Rock Beach is Queens' best pizzeria. Co-owner Joanne Catrone accepted the award from the chamber on behalf of her family and the restaurant, which is celebrated in the neighborhood for its fresh imported ingredients and their coal-fired pizza. Thank you. I, I'm very humbled. I'm really nervous. My husband and I took a chance. We grew up in the Rockaways, going to the beaches here. We just didn't show up on Beach 115 and decided to open up a restaurant. We are part of this community. We believe in this community. And we took a chance. People don't Even after all the slices were handed out and the last crust crumbs were swept away, Greg says the chamber's work isn't done. And because of our ethnic diversity, I would love to extend it beyond pizzerias to places like your favorite Chinese food, your favorite dim sum, you name it. We can slice it in a lot of different uh, different places. But I want to increase this just basically to get the attention on all of our restaurants who were so damaged by this insipid COVID that we had. Celebrating restaurants in Queens is particularly important to Greg, the entire chamber, 
and the borough as a whole. Because after all, food defines the neighborhood. With WFUV News, I'm Megan Oftermat. That was WFUV's Megan Oftermat reporting on the Queen's Best Pizza Competition. Black history is not just about trauma and pain. Part of the experience is honoring the resilience of Black people in the United States and their ability to demonstrate love and find joy, something that's often expressed through music. Spirituals, blues, jazz, rock and roll, and hip-hop have had global influence. WFUV's Robin Shannon sits down with midday host and music connoisseur Elisa Ali. She's sharing her list of songs that inspire Black joy and empowerment. Elisa, what is the first song on your list? I will just start off by saying... I do have a theme song myself, like my walk-on music, so, okay. so if when you, you will. All right, when you walk into a cool spot. My walk-on music yeah. is um, She's a Bad Mama Gemma. <laughs> okay. However, that said, I'm not going to choose that, but I did want to give a shout-out to Carl Carlton. Okay. One of the artists that, uh, and this is an artist that is tops not just for Black History Month, just for like life, Stevie Wonder. Oh, of course. Like, I cannot leave Stevie Wonder off a woefully short list. And I say this every time I play him on the radio. He is a national treasure. He's a humanitarian, um, an activist. And in terms of black musicians, I mean, he's right at the top of that list. And his music is honest and direct. Living for the city, you know, highlights the inequities that black people are faced with. But, you know, it also shows how they still can get by. You know, her clothes are old, but never are they dirty. He's got, you know, this great song um, called Black Man in Songs of the Key of Life, which is is such an amazing um, album in general. But uh, that Black Man song, you know, just highlights some of the advances that black people have done. And it's just, it's such a great song also. All of his songs, you know, they have a message, but they also have a groove. And I just saw him on the Grammys doing um, Higher Ground, right? And this is also speaks to his musicianship, that his music is so versatile that it has been covered by all different artists. And he's doing, he did the song with Chris Stapleton, who's like a country dude. Right. So like this soul song can be sung. And didn't the Red Hot Chili Peppers oh, Yes, of course. The Red Hot Chili mm-hmm. Peppers do a great version of it. Um, that just speaks to his songwriting ability. I mean, he's a brilliant thinker and I think a bona fide genius. Um, he's got so many powerful and joyful songs. I wanted to pick a song that brings me a lot of joy. It's probably not one that most people think of, but it gets me on the dance floor every time. Do I do? Do you know this ah, one? Ah, yeah, of course. Girl, do I do? Yes, I got some honey kisses for your lips. So, Elisa, Do I Do from Stevie Wonder. That's your first song. What's the next song that inspires Black Joy and Empowerment? Again, I have to go with the catalog in its entirety. And I have to choose Sly and the Family Stone. They were a pioneering soul funk band. Um, They soundtracked the civil rights movement. And... um, you know, their music came from a place of love and unity. And by the way, it was the first major American rock group to have a racially integrated male and female lineup. 
Um, their music was so empowering. They preached about standing for what you believe in. And I think that really resonated with the people who were, you know, seeking out social justice. And I just find their music to be so warm and joyous. So what's your one song? Okay. All right. It's, it's very hard. It's If You Want Me To Stay by Sly and the Family Stone. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. So that was If You Want Me To Stay from Sly and the Family Stone. Now, Lisa, you got one more pick. It's a tough one now. What's the next song that you think inspires Black Joy and Empowerment? I'm going to go with uh, Kendrick Lamar's All Right from To Pimp a Butterfly. It is a modern day protest song. It starts with the line, all my life I had to fight. And that's a quote from, I'm not sure if it's a quote from Alice Walker or Oprah, but it's from The Color Purple. <laughs> yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's where we're going with it. Um, and I just think it's it's such a, it's such a powerful song. It shows strength. It shows uh, resilience that black people have had to have. It's aggressive, but it's also positive and uplifting. It's inspirational. And I think maybe, I think maybe it's one of the greatest rap songs of all time. All right. So Kendrick Lamar was your last one. And of course, just for you, Alisa Ali. Walk off I music. Will play. She's a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> She's a bad mamma jamma. That was Robin Shannon talking to WFUV's midday host, Alisa Ali, about the song she thinks inspires Black joy and empowerment. In honor of Black History Month, we'll be featuring a series highlighting Black representation in music around New York City. From jazz to classical to R&B to rap, music has always been a pillar in the Black community. Musica Regine, a Queens-based music organization, is holding their annual Black History Month concert that highlights the work of African-American artists. WFUV's Leah Mallory talked with the artistic director and founder to discuss how they're honoring Black History Month. You know, there's a little a little of everything mixed together in this, what I think is a beautiful program that we've put together. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to start rehearsing. That was Barbara Podgurski, executive and artistic director of Musico Regine, an arts organization that wants to bring high-quality classical music to Queens, New York. This month... Their concert is in celebration of Black history. The program is called Sedalia to Harlem, and it highlights the developments and contributions of African Americans to the genres of classical music, jazz, and African American spirituals. This program in particular is very special because it shines a light upon these different genres of music that are important in African-American culture and in American culture in particular. Sedalia to Harlem is inspired by the life of Scott Joplin, a black composer in the 1890s who moved to Sedalia, Missouri, where he taught piano. He is credited with popularizing ragtime. The first part of the concert opens with Joplin's influential ragtime hit, Maple Leaf Rag. And the second part of the concert will take us to Harlem, where another black composer, James P. Johnson, developed stride piano, a flashy and more aggressive piano style born of ragtime music. Podgurski says the performers who will be showcased in the concert also played a creative role. The artists, singers, 
we worked with them on, you know, what they would like to present, what they would like to share with the community. And a lot of these pieces are their specialties of what they sing for their voice type and what is very meaningful for them. Concert goers will have the opportunity to hear Geraldine McMillian, J. Aubrey Jones, and Byron Singleton perform, all celebrated New York area singers. That was Geraldine McMillian singing a piece by Brahms. She's a soprano vocalist and will be showcased in the Sedalia to Harlem concert. Maestro David Close says that Musica Regine has worked with many of the singers featured in the concert for years and that they're an integral part in many of the organization's shows. They have performed all kinds of music with us, but we're highlighting the Black experience during Black History Month, and who better to do it than these folks? The goal of the concert is to examine how African Americans have shaped American music, a truth that is often left unacknowledged. Podgorski says that Black artists are responsible for bringing entire genres of music to the United States. I think in African American culture, that jazz has always been extremely important, that it's the reason we have jazz in the United States. While jazz is more of a centerpiece in the American musical canon, this show also highlights spirituals, a less mainstream musical genre. We're, we're sort of filling in the gaps for the folks in Queens who may not have heard a lot of spirituals. So that's, that's the other part of our mission, which is to kind of get the, the great canon of, of great music out there. Both Podgorski and Close want audiences to leave having learned something new and hope that they spread the word about their concerts happening in Queens. I'm hoping that we can give them an experience that they will carry out from this concert in their hearts and minds and share that with the rest of the world. I think anything that promotes beauty, goodness, love, and appreciation of our fellow human beings is always on the plus side of the ledger. And I think this kind of thing definitely makes a positive statement in that direction. You can join Barbara Podgurski and Maestro David Close in celebrating Black History Month at Sedalia to Harlem on February 25th at the Church and the Gardens in Forest Hills. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com slash Sedalia to Harlem. And if you want to know about what else Musica Regine is doing for the Queens community, you can go to their website at www.musicaregine.org. With WFUV News, I'm Leah Mallory. That was WFUV's Leah Mallory talking about Musica Regine's Black History Month concert in Queens on February 25th. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every Friday for more features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV's What's What daily podcast. It explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues surrounding the New York metropolitan area. And includes features and interviews just like the ones you heard exclusively from FUV. You can catch new episodes every weekday at 3, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Shana Walsh.